0: Welcome to Sanity, a podcast to help you keep yours in today's divisive political climate. I'm your host, Audrey Scagnelli, and I hope you'll join me in this quest for optimism in a post-2016 world. We're joined by Kyle Emile. He is the founder of Free Intelligent Conversations. I met him at the Heterodox Academy Conference in New York City and was kind of tickled by his story. It involves standing in a lot of random public places with a sign that reads Free Intelligent Conversations. Uh, This is all in an effort to get people talking to each other. So Kyle, please, what is Free Intelligent Conversations and how did you come up with this idea? The backstory
1: is that I grew up in a college community that happens to be the most diverse campus in the country it's a place called Andrews University and growing up I was surrounded by people from all over the world my friends are from Korea Ghana Zimbabwe you name it and what happened was I grew up with this diverse experience and when I got into and I thought that's what everyone's life was like and then when I got to college I realized that's not the case and I found myself having conversations that were more and more similar to each other. And I was like, man, I want to find a way to continue to meet people who are different than me and challenge myself and learning about them and their worldview. Now, the issue was that there was no public place that was facilitating that kind of interaction, right? Like my friends would go to bars, clubs, parties, et cetera, bookstores, and you kind of hope a conversation occurs, but those aren't places you go explicitly for conversations. And I was like, well, where do, where do, The people who are explicitly looking for conversation go and couldn't find that place. So what if I created that place? And the idea that I had is I would say, what if I take a sign that says free intelligent conversation, go to the nearest metropolitan area, which happened to be Chicago at the time, and stood in high foot traffic areas and see who would stop and talk. I had this idea and I went to a couple of friends. I was like, yeah, give this a try. I think there were friends who were willing to try things more than they thought that this would work. So we went out and held up this sign. And what happened is it after really just changed my life. Like people stopped and talked, and I had great conversations with many people. I was watching people share about the 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 personal and private parts of their life. To me, that was a stranger, right? That that they didn't know at all. And then after One of the things where I realized this was really something I wanted to continue doing is after we ended the conversation, the people who were participating were like exchanging contact information and talking about, oh, hey, I'm going to this event. I think you'd like it. Or, hey, let's meet up later and, and try to talk more about this. And I was like, oh, wow, I really think that there's something here. So that's what started it. I just kept doing it. And then eventually... Other friends would join me, eventually people uh, in Chicago kind of knew we would be out there so they would come meet us with a sign. And then I found out that people were doing it in different cities and then eventually different countries and then this whole movement kind of kicked off.
0: So, How many cities around the world have free intelligent conversations taken place? I think we
1: have been in about 60 different cities uh, worldwide. A lot of major U.S. cities, uh, we've been in South Africa, Sydney, France, India, Italy, Canada, just to name a few of the international places.
0: And the premise is you, others, stand in high foot traffic public spaces with a sign that reads Free Intelligent Conversations. And that's that's everything else.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's that's really it. The purpose of the science it's intentionally a bit provocative. And the reason it is so is because what I wanted to do was spark curiosity out of people, which is actually usually what, what people stop for. People don't stop necessarily because they, they well, sometimes people do because they're looking for a conversation, but very often it's like, wait, what's this? What's going on here, right? And what we tell them is that an intelligent conversation, as far as we're concerned, is whenever you learn from whom you're speaking with and we're just looking to do that. People take really well to that and they're like, oh, wow, this is great. People will say, oh well, people need to be doing this more often, right? And what happens is Usually, a very honest and transparent conversation with two people who are just trying to learn a, more about each other and about the world.
0: We're living right now in really heightened, polarized times. People are sorting themselves into neighborhoods that agree with their political ideology. People are dating exclusively within their political ideology. So, you started this in 2012. I'm wondering post-2016, have you seen a difference in the kind of conversations or interactions that you're having?
1: Great question. I don't think that we have seen a difference in the kind of conversation. I think we have seen a change in what people suspect our motives are. People often come up now and say, is this political? And we'll tell them, no, we're a 501c3 organization and we cannot be political. But I think the heightened sensitivity has people a bit more suspicious initially about what is really the purpose here. I don't think that, and and there have been more, let's say headlines to talk about in the news that people will will discuss briefly, but I would say that it hasn't affected much of the kinds of conversations that are happening.
0: have you seen more interest from volunteers or people that want to get involved?
1: Definitely. Now, we have seen a change where very often or initially the one of the things I heard very often is, "Hey, this is just this seems like a cool project. I like to meet people or, or I'm curious and I want to get involved." We've seen now a group of people come and say, "I'm here because the state of things is so terrible that someone has to be willing to talk to people, so therefore I'll do it, right? Almost like some, a sense of duty or, or a sense of, um, as if it were a, what's the word I want to use, a reply to the existing political environment, right? So we have seen the reason people join or some of the, the, the interest of the people who are joining be a little bit as a response to the political environment.
0: It's interesting looking at things that sprung up prior to this focus on polarization. You know, in 2012, yeah. it's not, it wasn't as much a national conversation. And now it's something that more people are focused on and worried about. And and this is, you know, one uh, attempt or approach to trying to fix some of these problems. What would you say is one of the most powerful conversations you've had with a complete stranger from from doing this? For me
1: personally... There's a conversation that stood out is I met a gentleman who he was in Mensa High IQ Society and he was talking about how growing up through his life he would just use his intelligence as the only tool to solve all the problems he had and that was great in certain cases but it failed in his interpersonal relationships and as a result they suffered right and it suffered in the relationship he had with his uh, spouse and the relationship he had with his children. And he was talking about how he waited too long to learn to develop other tools and, and was using this kind of like as a flagship, the status of being in Mensa as a flagship to justify all of his actions. And he realized that to be successful in life requires the developing and rounding out of many skills. And that he realized he had to the choice of I can continue to tilt this flag and, and and use it as a sense of status or I can be have happy relationships and therefore a happy life. And he talked to me about that process. This was when I was very early on when I started this and I was pretty young and I remember kind of walking away thinking, okay, I don't want to make that same mistake, right? So that was a conversation that kind of informed I uh, really informed me since then and acknowledging and accepting that, you know, that there are various tools that are needed for various kind of social environments. And what I want to be is a well-rounded person and knows how to use the appropriate tools for the issue at hand. That's like a particular conversation. I know that that's stuck with me. And that probably happened in like 2013.
0: Hmm. And you often start out conversations with a, an open-ended question. How has that approach been helpful in terms of engaging with streaming? <sighs>
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So just for some quick context, when we started this project, all we did, we used to hold up signs and people would come up and we would just kind of freestyle the conversation. It would just be, hey, you know, tell me about yourself. And there was no real structure. And that worked really well for some people, particularly people who are very extroverted. And there are a group of people who were like, man, it'd be nice if there was like an icebreaker or something that I could use to start the conversation. And this kind of gave us the idea of making question cards. And these question cards I'm trying to see if I have any around here. These question cards are cards that have open-ended questions focused on getting a story out of the person to initiate the conversation. So now they come, people come up to someone holding the sign, would tell them, hey, pick a card. They'll grab uh, from the deck of cards, they'll pick a card, and a question would be something like, if happiness was the national currency, what kind of work would make you rich? Or what are you most proud of? Or what did life teach you yesterday? Or what's something you could do today that you couldn't do a year ago, right? All these questions are really focused on uh, stories. Uh, We try to avoid binary questions, yes or no questions, because we think that that's kind of what leads to disagreements from the beginning or, or out front. But by focusing on stories, people are able to relate and engage with each other really at a very personal level. There are times. Where someone will answer the question and the conversation will keep going and I'll speak to someone for two hours and then we'll realize that we never introduced ourselves to each other. And I'll be like, oh, hey, I'm Kyle, by the way. Right. So the questions have served as a really great way to initiate conversations and also uh, a great tool for strangers to get to know each other at beyond the surface level.
0: An open-ended question maybe helps us escape labels that our brains naturally or culturally push, push on each other. It, it reminds me of a line from your manifesto, uh, which is, Discomfort is a small price to pay for knowledge, and not paying this fee leaves us exposed to the larger penalty of negative stereotypes, prejudice, and bigotry. So discomfort is a small price to pay for knowledge.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has been the re- the recurring lesson for myself and everyone going through, or anyone who's done this. There is a bit of, I've been doing this for years now. And even before each event, there's a bit of anxiousness that happens where you're just like, oh man, is this gonna work? Is anyone gonna talk to me? Is this whatever? And you really are a bit uncomfortable. And then you start talking to people. Uh, Sometimes people look different than you. Sometimes people come off a little, sometimes people start a bit antagonistic, but by sticking through that discomfort, like getting to the other side of that, the rewards have been life-changing, fundamentally life-changing. My worldview has been expanded. The people I, you know, I've made friends from this. So discomfort is a small price to pay for knowledge. And we think that price is always worth paying.
0: Has there ever been a time where things have not gone well?
1: The thing, and people will not believe this, not really. Sometimes you'll get people who will make snarky comments walking by. Um, But in terms of like having, once a conversation has started and people have engaged with each other, we've had no negative events occur, right? Um, And I think that really says something about one, the way humans interact with each other and that Real life is very different than the internet. I think we read threads and, you know, Twitter threads, Reddit threads or whatever, and you watch some of the cruel comments, you know, that pop up in YouTube comments and you assume, oh man, there are people out here walking around doing this. And in our experience, that's not the case. We haven't seen that happen. Um, the people, when people stop and talk and engage on face-to-face manner, they're far more personable. And that doesn't mean that they don't disagree. I want to be clear on that. We've had conversations where people do disagree, but they're able to do it in a civilized way and in a way that's respectful to the person that they're speaking with
0: yeah, you did a TEDx uh, with Andrews University in it you said, uh, and this got some chuckles from the audience and i I chuckled when I watched it. You said before you were a Facebook user, you were a person yeah
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I also mentioned there that i've seen i've I'm a godfather to some younger kids and I have I'm also in a community where my friends are starting to have kids and and one of the things I see is like they have such great social media etiquette. They know exactly what is a, acceptable to post on Facebook, what's the what, what you can say on Twitter, right? Oh, this should be a Twitter, this should be a tweet not a Facebook. And they can't have a face-to-face conversation with their grandparents, right? Or they don't know how to socialize with their grandparents. And the the irony is that and I guess there is a, just a bit of irony there, right? Like we are building our online etiquette better than we're building our face-to-face social etiquette. So sometimes people need to be reminded that, hey, by the way, you're a person, not a Facebook user.
0: I think what you, the work that you're doing is pushing people out of their comfort zone a little bit. This is an organization that's trying to tackle some of these things What do you say to the skeptics who are asking, you know, who do you work for? Or as you've said, give you a a smile, but keep on walking by. Yeah. Yeah.
1: One, I guess I first, I understand their skepticism. I don't know that they're skeptical about our project, obviously, because they don't know much about our project in these instances of just walking by. As much as they're skeptical about the broader, you know, let's say political or social system that you know they're interacting with on a day to day basis and I understand why that would make someone uh, skeptical if you, you you watch people you know online fight and argue and bicker and and be pretty cruel you watch people sit on public transportation and <laughs> not look up past their phones and not make eye contact and I get and i'm I'm sympathetic to that skepticism I think that my answer to them it, well sorry, I guess I'm not in the business of trying to convince them to be honest. What I think is the most convincing is the results and I think that what is needed now is I think that there are a group of people who are beginning to discuss this problem and they say, "Oh yeah, this polarization is an issue." And I think that any, you know, decently educated person would tell you, "Oh yeah, we don't this is not a great solution." But what there are few of are people who are practicing through their behavior, ways that, and solutions that are applicable to try to address or solve this. And I think that we're at the place where the next step is like, okay, what do we do about this? What are things we can actually do? Right. I think that there's a lot of conversation around it. And what I hope to be is more than anything, just maybe one example or, or, something that people can point at. And so when someone says, hey, you know, there's a lot of polarizing, there's a lot of, they say, ah, there's this group of guys who, or a group of people who are out there talking to people about anything and doing so willingly, right? Yeah. And I hope what that does is encourage people and, and people to think that, wow, there's an alternative way to interact with people, right? And there's a, there is an alternative way to deal with the polarization. I don't have to pick a side and double down on that, I can be like this group of people who are actually out there actively looking to engage with, you know, the other side or, or, or people different than them. So I understand the, the skepticism. I understand the snarkiness. And what I just hope is that over time, the work that we're doing will prove out to be successful, not, not in a way that's like successful in the peoples who are doing it in their individual life so that other people can say and see, oh, I actually know this group that does this or I have a friend that does this and these are the things that came from that. I, or I want to be a part of that.
0: I was just reading about a, a group of liberals who lived in New York that did an exchange program of sorts with a group of corrections officers in Michigan that were generally cons- conservative leaning. And the article about this exchange program was in the atlantic and it was uh, the the quotes from all that participated were pretty optimistic because though their beliefs didn't change once they got to know each other a little bit they were surprised by each other's humanity and surprised yeah. by some unexpected similarities that you wouldn't they they hadn't expected to find um and i found that to be encouraging
1: yeah yeah. One of the things that's shocking every time, for me personally, is someone will come up and even when someone comes up to the sign, like just based on, you know, their disposition, whether, you know, their age or even their dress, I, you kind of assume what kind of conversation you're going to have. And I'm like, okay, they're probably going to like talk about this and we'll go this. And the conversation will start and I'm completely blown away, just completely wrong. Right. And I connect to these people in a way that I just couldn't have suspected ever right and it's always like the humble the slap on the wrist it's like oh yeah Kyle don't forget that people are very diverse and the way that you can relate and connect to them are in ways that you cannot imagine and don't limit yourself and don't don't stifle that connection by s- setting expectations up front you know on what the interaction will be like so
0: can you offer an example
1: yeah yeah i got a good one actually while doing this one time i met someone that i Thought would be like I we spoke, uh, we had similar interests. They had just moved to the area a couple months, like maybe a couple weeks ago at the time. Actually, I had moved there a couple months before, and I was like, okay, this is someone that I can we'll talk about, you know, our different lives. We might be able to maybe we'll be friends. Maybe, you know, I have no idea. What ended up happening is we started hanging out, They, they were an engineer. Uh, I work on kind of like the sales and business operation or business development side of an organization. So I was like, Oh, we don't have similar interests. We started hanging out, started, you know, going to events. We'd grab lunch. We'd, we'd send, we'd text each other, Hey, do you read this? Or do you want to go to this event? And eventually this person became my roommate. Right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so you met I,
0: a roommate through
1: yeah.
0: having a conversation in a yeah. public setting.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, this person became a roommate. Uh, We lived with each other for a year and they are now one of my best friends out here, right? So that's just like, uh, uh, you know, whenever uh, I'll make a joke with him, say, yeah, that's the daily reminder of what can happen, you know, when you really are open-minded to, you know, having conversations and meeting people.
0: What is your dream for the future?
1: My goal, what I want for free intelligent conversation is whenever you, anyone else gets out of school, work, or or they're at home and they're thinking to themselves, man, I want to go meet people who are different than me and have a conversation. I want for the next thought to be, where's my local free intelligent conversation outing? And what that means is that I want to be doing events or have people holding signs and engaging with each other in every city worldwide so that there is this, there was, so that there's always an opportunity to go meet someone. So you don't feel like you have to go home and jump on YouTube or browse the internet or even sit at home, that you know that there is a place that if you have something, if you want to learn, or maybe you had a rough day, you just want to get some stuff off your chest, you know that there is a place near you that you can go and talk to people.
0: Addressing America's loneliness problem.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, um. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, but the fun, the thing is, is like, when I started this project, I was in college. I'd gone to the local high school, so I knew everyone, everyone in the area. And I started this project because I wanted to meet people. When I moved to San Francisco, one of the things that I didn't realize is how serious the loneliness problem was, right? Uh, when I moved to San Francisco, I knew one other person here at the time that I moved. And I was like, oh, wow, making friends is really hard, right? Uh, as an adult one. and I was I would sit in my apartment for a long time by myself and I was like, yeah, this is I'm not, you know, not around family, not around friends. I was like, oh, this is um really tough. And I grew another appreciation for free intelligence conversation through that actually, because I was like, oh wow, this is I read about the loneliness and I was like, oh, this is the experience. This is it, it, it doesn't feel great. And what I hope our project does one day is. Basically, make that optional so that people can say, you know what, I don't have to be lonely. There's a group of people who want to talk to me holding signs outside.
0: Our closing question for guests is always the same one. I would love to hear your take on it, which is what are you most optimistic about right now today? Good question.
1: Um, I'm optimistic that some of the, whether it's political or loneliness, and social isolation. I think that we are talking about it now and we're realizing the effects of it, And but we're talking about it publicly. And I think that in regards to social isolation, I think it was done very privately. I think even the polarization, the conversation, even though it's shown up now, I think that these reviews that people had, right, maybe just weren't talking about it. And I'm optimistic that we'll come to solutions that work. I think that we are kind of in a growing pains of figuring it all out. I think like social media, you know, kind of hits the scene. I think 2009 is when it's like a real thing. And we're really like, we're iterating and trying to solve and figure out how do we use social media in our regular lives? How do we integrate it into, you know, the systems that we have at play? And I think we'll figure it out. I think that I don't think that it will always be this way. I don't think that we will continue to be this polarized. Um, I don't think that people will, be this lonely or be ashamed about being lonely. And I think that we will develop solutions that work and we'll, people will look back at this time and say, man, can you believe that these people didn't know how to deal with this? <laughs> uh, good thing we, 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 we've we moved through that. So that's what I'm optimistic about.
0: That is a great answer. And I we have a lot of problems but people are trying to tackle them with solutions. And that is where I like to focus. Yeah, my yeah. Outlook as well. Not, not always successful at it, but that's what I try to do.
1: Yeah. You know that you got company with me there, so we'll be the cheerleaders to solving problems.
0: If listeners would like to get involved, host their own free IC, or find out if there's one coming near them, where can they go?
1: If you go to freeic.org, that's F R E E I C.org, there's an apply tab. You can sign up to host a one time event uh, or host uh, multiple events. If you sign up, we'll help you get organized. We'll help you, you know, we'll share with you the best practices, uh, coach you on how to get the event up and going and successful. So there's an option to do that. You can also download the sign for free. If you don't want to do an event, you just kind of want to give it a go for yourself and try it. The sign is available on our website for free. To, the PDF is available to download. We also provide printing and mounting instructions that we typically use. So those are the ways that anyone listening and interested can get involved and give this project a go
0: awesome well thank you Kyle for joining this episode it's zany but I think that it's uh it's an actual easy to do way to try to get people talking so congratulations on sticking with this since 2012
1: yeah thank you thank you and thank you for having me it's rewarding to just meet other people who are interested about solutions and and want to move towards resolution on these issues so glad
0: to be here thanks Kyle